Hey, everybody, it's Lee. I know we're heading into the offseason, so we wanted to give a shout-out to our title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena, one more time. And again, we have a coupon for $50 off an annual subscription when you use Hockey Never Stops at hockey.sensearena.com. I always like to remind everybody, I've been using this thing for six months, and I'm just blown away, not just from the VR aspect of it and the virtual reality side of things, but the ability to give different perspectives of the game, whether I'm playing as a goaltender, and I got to admit, it is really hard, but it has really given me a perspective from that point of hockey, which has made me a better coach and a better ice hockey player, or the skater modes, which help you work on cognitive skills and other things like heads-up play that you don't normally get to work on in a practice or a game. So I implore you to check it out. It helps us out. It helps them out. Support our title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena. Get $50 off an annual subscription when you use Hockey Never Stops at Hockey.SenseArena.com. Again, that's Hockey Never Stops. That's the code at Hockey.SenseArena.com. Check it out. And without further ado, enjoy this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. You know, we're always saying that communication is the most important aspect of how things go good or go bad in hockey. I often say 10 out of 10 problems are caused by poor communication. So we brought our friend in, retired coach from the NCAA, Pete Whitney, to help us discuss the importance of communication all the way from the NCAA level down to the might level and how we can implement different things to teach our kids how to be A, better communicators, and then more importantly, what's expected of them as they get to that NCAA level, when you walk in that locker room, what their coach is expecting. So a lot of great knowledge dropped on this one. Uh, it's always great to have Pete Whitney on the episode. Also want to let you know, again, you guys get a really nice discount over at uh, HockeyWrapAround.com when you use the code OKPHNO. If it's the holiday time when you're listening to this, you get a lot of things thrown at you. But uh, our, our deal with you is year-round, OKPH at HockeyWrapAround.com. You can check out the world's number one blade protector, their patented dry stick technology, so you can have a portable drying uh, uh, thing for your gear bag uh, that you can take anywhere you want to go. really consolidates the room. Uh, Or the children's book that Christy and I wrote, When Hockey Stops, is available there as well. It can be personalized. Again, HockeyWrapAround.com, OKPH at checkout for a 20% discount on your purchase. And you get the good feeling of knowing that you're helping us out over at Our Kids Play Hockey. And with that said, let's dive into this episode with Pete Whitney. Hello, hockey friends and families around the world, and welcome to another edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. Today, topic's going to be really important. Today, we're talking about communication as a skill set. And if you're listening to this at the debut, it is the holiday season. Now, this, this episode's going to be evergreen. You could listen to this year-round, which means Christmas and Hanukkah in July, in January. Whenever you're listening to this episode, it's going to make sense. But for today's purpose, we're heading into the holidays. We're honestly... Communication has to be better than at any other point of the season, in my opinion, because the communication you do now mid-season usually tends to help you later on in the season. And helping us with this conversation today, someone we've had on the show multiple times, so I'm not going to do a long introduction. He's one of our favorite guests to have, retired NCAA coach Pete Whitney. Pete, thank you for being here today. Three times means you get a free Our Kids Play Hockey mug, Pete. Congratulations. That'll be in the mail soon. I will not allow anyone else in my family to ever drink from that mug. <laughs> well, that's probably good. It's kind of like the Indiana Jones uh, cup at the end. It gives you everlasting hockey life if you have it. At least that's what we're told. That's what they say to sell it to us. But, Pete, that it's works. great to have you here today. Um, again, this is the topic I know we've discussed off of the show before, uh, and we're really going to tap into your knowledge here from the NCAA level, but also how that transcends down all the way down to might. Because communication, as I said, it's a skill set. And I think that there's a lot of reasons why we're not doing a great job teaching that 
from a societal level. I also think that there's a lot of finger pointing at younger people when it comes to communication about technology. And we've all said it. Hey, you're always on your phone. You're always on your phone. Well, that's the reality of the situation, right? Mike, I'm going to throw it to you first because Mike deals with this stuff all the time. Mike, why don't we just get your general thoughts on communication as a skill set? Let out all the frustration, Mike. Let us know what you think. And let us start this episode with some Mike Benelli. Communication. So that I'll get accused when I so when I when I ask that when I ask my own kids to put the phone down and I have the phone in my hand, that's probably like the like the red flag of, you know, uh dad, uh, maybe you need to put your phone down. You know, you've been on it for seven hours today. So I, I think it's so it it is a there there is a, a cosmic shift in where the perception is from my point of view, from where working with like especially high school kids and youth players from where they were. Like, I think, you know, kids have always been shy. We've always tried to teach kids to look you in the eye and shake your hand hard. And like, we've all, like, these are things that we're, and then it's even happening more now where you know, I, I did a summer hockey school where we had a mandate that the kids put their phones, uh, you know, left them in the locker room during the lunch break. So that they'd have to communicate to each other at lunch, like forcibly, like, like, and, and it really, it was, there was a lot of anxiety for kids. Um, when we did this, uh, whether they, you know, whether that FOMO kicked in right. or whether the piece of, you know, they don't, they felt so awkward talking to another human being. But again, these are, these are issues that we're creating um, in a, in our society. And I think it, there is a backlash, right? I mean, we're seeing it over and over and over again, where, you know, like full schools are right, saying, right. you got to put your, I went to a, I went to a, a comedy concert uh, a week ago. And I had to put my phone in this like lockbox padded uh, phone case and you couldn't access your phone, uh, you know, at all. Like you couldn't even, you couldn't even get, you couldn't even get to it. If, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there going, well, this is so odd. Like I'm a parent, like I gotta, my kids are, at, at, you know, with the babysitter, like there's no way I can communicate. Like it was really, That's like it, it, it actually took a little bit of, you know, a little bit for me to be like, okay, well, I'll accept this for the next hour and a half. I guess just sitting here and hope that everything's going great. But you know what, Pete? Right? I mean, we would we would have that our whole lives. We just you know you you'd get in the car and you'd go somewhere and you'd hope that there was a game on the other side of the of the trip. You wouldn't you wouldn't get a text message and be like, "What did oh we my do gosh, before games. this? Yeah, what did we do?" So so it's 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 good and bad. I love I'm I'm a technology like geek. Like I don't mind technology, um, but it is it is I find myself all the time using it way too much uh, for too long. And and really in toxic ways that don't help me in my mental state, like watching what other coaches are doing, watching what other players are performing at and the levels they're at. I mean, it's, you know, wondering, at, you know, instantly knowing what a score is. So it's, you know, and it, so it's really, it really is um, a challenge because when adults can't handle it, you know, how do you expect your nine, 10 and 11 year olds to handle it? And, uh, you know, so it's, it, it is, I think to, to what Pete's always talked about, and even off, you know, off our shows, is just that you're, 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 you're now you have young men and women, adults, that you're trying to re-engage with and teach in this communication piece. That we, I think we've always had that, but it seems like now you have to be purposeful right. in teaching it. Sure, sure. And I, th I think, too, I think one of the things, too, that I always kind of wonder is it's it's part of the it's part of technology in that. But 
great little, how necessary is it? And I look at that in terms of, I mean, I think we've all gone, maybe we're going to go, maybe it's a short trip. We're going to go from here to the store, which is maybe four or five miles. And we've left our phone at home. And the first thing is there's this wave of panic that goes over you. I don't have my phone. And then you you take a breath and you say, you know what? I think it's going to be okay. Because today's generation, for sure, and potentially not even not even yours, uh, has never experienced the joy uh, and utter panic of needing to make a phone call, driving around looking for something that was called a phone booth. That's right. <laughs> getting to the phone booth, not a quarter. Opening the door and seeing that <laughs> someone had ripped the phone off the re- the receiver off the uh, rest of the phone. Yeah. So. <laughs> Or burned it with a lighter or something. Yeah. You could yes. use it, right? Yes. So exactly. it, why they would do that, I have no idea. But I, I but I, but I think you're right. That that panic mode of like to me, like I don't use I don't even use a wallet anymore. Everything's on my phone. Like my phone is right. my lifeline. Like so if I it's it's like the, the, the only thing I remember when I leave the house is like, oh I gotta have my phone. But but I think in in the context that we're talking about is not so much like the benefits of having the phone, because your your 12-year-old doesn't need the phone. Like they don't need directions. They don't need the update on the game. They don't need, you know, they don't need to have the phone. Like you know, where, where I could make it a pretty good excuse that I need to have my phone. I, I'm more more important than you, you 12 year old or 15 year old. Like I need it. But for the kids, and I think I'm honestly when I, when we started coming up with this subject and I started reflecting, I had the same I had the same issues with high school players back in 1990. Right. Right. And right. and you know not talking in the locker room and not using their using their voice to express their their thought and because a lot of it was like i mean think about the way a lot of us grew up you know with coaches like very authoritative you do it the way i tell you to do it shut your mouth get your job done get in get out and go home where you know there wasn't that you you know now we're begging kids to communicate with us right and before it was like i don't want you communicating with me you have no say in this so I'll make a few points here. All right. Number one is that I'm a big believer that things are always changing, but things are always the same, right? The problems within humanity have existed for all of humanity. It's just the environment in which they live often changes. And I think that the first step to solving any problem is always admitting that there is a problem, right? And here's the truth of this situation for all the hockey parents listening. I'd say most hockey parents are Gen X, millennials, or Xenials, for those of you in that small little generation, Right. That's where the parents are right now. And we have all grown up with with this technology. So it's not the kids. It's all of us. Right. I can't tell you um, how many times I've been at my kitchen table and my daughter and my son will come up to me. And I kind of have to tell myself, Lee, you're on your phone. Get off your phone. Like, I'm just as guilty of this at times as other people. So I think the first step is kind of realizing, look, we all do this right to different levels. And Mm -hmm. I always say that as a parent, it's really on me to first off be conscious if I'm doing that. It's very easy to zone out when your kids are talking complete nonsense to you to stay on your phone, right? But I realize that if I stay on my phone and keep looking at my phone while they're talking to me, I am just teaching them to do the exact same thing. So I, I actually very visibly put my phone down and say, okay, please tell me that I'm, you have my full attention. So parents, I think it's really important to do that. The other thing too is that, and this is the funny part about it, Mike and, and, and Pete, Mike, you said it too. Like um, we've always had a hard time getting kids to communicate. Technically speaking, literally and figuratively, kids are better at communicating now than they ever have been in the history of mankind. They just do it through text or through different methods. 
right? You know, when we were kids, we didn't have the option to do that. If you were a shy kid, you were a shy kid. You might have lost yourself in books or a CD Walkman or a cassette player. Or if you really want to go back at 8-track, we probably have a few members of the audience who know that one, right? But but there's always an escapism thing. Now, this is what I want to do in the episode, okay? Breaking this down now to hockey. We're bringing it back. We're bringing it back to the hockey. We're going to start at the NCAA level. Pete, I'm going to ask you, what is your expectation of an NCAA athlete's ability to communicate? And parents, what I want you to do is listen and understand, okay, that's kind of the standard we're trying to get to. Then we're going to reverse back through the age groups and talk about some actionable items you can probably start doing with those kids at those ages to get them to that NCAA level, really a professional level of communication. It doesn't have to be NCAA, right? So Pete, we're walking into your locker room. It's an NCAA team. I'm a freshman, right? A 21-year-old freshman because I played prep school, All right? What are you expecting from me as an athlete and a student, right? Student, athlete, I had to reverse that from a communication standpoint. Well, I think first and foremost, if I come in there, we've obviously had conversations way prior to that. But when I when I come in, I expect your phone if because I'm I'll tell you nine out of ten times you're going to be on your phone. So I expect you to put your phone down, right? Look up when you see me come in the room, and because I'm I'm gonna greet you and I want to see how things are going and and how uh, your day has been and how classes were. Um, how was the lunch that day? How was your family? All those types of conversations. And I expect to be able to have an actual conversation with you based on you hopefully knowing that I've created a relationship with you where I'm asking you the questions because I actually care about who you are as a human being. I mean, one of the things that I've been fortunate to do, I think, is having been in this game for an extended amount of time, is I've seen the days where Kids would you'd walk in the locker room and guys would kind of like turn their head and say, I hope he doesn't make eye contact. I'm going to pretend like I'm tying my laces, anything, so I don't have to communicate because I don't want to get yelled at. Because that's how it used to be way back when. It was my way or the highway right. kind of thing. And it wasn't that long ago. Today it's so much more Today it's so much more fun to me as a coach. That's one of the things I, I truly miss. I miss sitting down and saying, just what we were talking about. How was how was uh, how was class today? You know, one boy I knew was so excited that uh, he was uh, an uncle. It was the first time he was ever an uncle. This was two years ago. That's cool. And it yeah. was great that he can't coach. You know, how, how's it going today, coach? Uh, my brother <laughs> and his wife had their baby. I'm an uncle. I'm an uncle. We got a little boy. We got a a future post university hockey player coach. But just him being comfortable enough to have that type of a conversation right. was was really important to me. And then to see them have conversations amongst each other. Right. That, to me, is that's key. When I walk into a room, I don't care what they're talking about as long as they're, you know, hopefully not on their phone. But sometimes they are because the reality is that's how they communicate. Right. So to tell them, no, you can't do that. There are situations where you don't want them to do that. You prefer them to use another uh, method to communicate. Right. But I don't think you can, you can't take that away from them because that's the way it is today. So well, if, if you're going to grow as a coach, you have to morph and become, understand that and know how that works. And I mean, we had group texts, which were great because we knew it was how guys, was, how guys got them. And I, I did have to make the, the rule that um, you do something simple like, I think there were at that time there were 26 players on the team. I said, when I send out something on the group text, 
I expect 26 likes. Right. You don't have to respond. You don't have to you come back with anything. You don't have to type anything. Acknowledge. Yeah. The like button. Acknowledge the fact that you saw what I was sending you because you send the message that we're a group, we're a team, and what you're saying is important. I get it. But, but isn't it, but, and isn't the point too that you're making that there's a big difference between the kids communicating and looking at each other's phones and, 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 and comparing YouTube videos and the night before's, you know, highlights, then 26 players all in their stalls with their heads down looking and, and, and not associating with each other. Right. So there's, there's the use of that technology and that communication that the phone is not the piece that like I'm against. It's the it's the it's the the phone being the crutch to yeah. put Division. you in a place where you're not communicating with other human beings anymore and your teammates because in a in a forget forget about everything else we're in a team sport I mean the fact that we're that we need kids to get to know each other on a whole different level supporting each other and being cheerleaders for each other takes human contact right and Mike I think and Pete tell me if I'm wrong you know the key to what I just took out of that is is a couple of things. One is that there's no nothing against the technology. There's nothing against the people. It's we expect high levels of efficient communication at this level, right? That however you choose to communicate, it needs to be done in an efficient way that's going to be best for the team. And also utilizing the technology. And I'll say this as a coach, man, group text is one of the greatest advancements of technology history for a coach. Um, I can tell you right now, like I stay in touch with teams abroad through group text. So it's a, it's a wonderful technology. But the other key that you said, and I don't want anybody to miss this, um, is that as a coach, and this is a two-way thing, it is so important nowadays to create that environment with your players where they can feel comfortable talking to you, high levels of trust, high levels of what Pete said, I actually do care about you. I'd like to know about your day, right? Coaches are taking steps to do that. But again, two-way conversation for the parents listening. Your children also have to have the ability to have that conversation back. And it's very, very important that when you have that conversation and Pete says to you, hey, how was your weekend? You don't just go, good. Oh, well, how's your family doing? Good. That's not what you want, right? You want to have, you, there's a term conversationalist, right? Now, I'm not saying that a introvert has to jump up and have a 15-minute conversation with you. That's kind of on the coach to understand the personality of the player. But if you want to create, and we talk about this all the time in team building, guys, if you want to create the environment where winning can take place, this is a big part of it. Trust needs to exist. You have to be able to know your players and what motivates them. Pete, I'm just like you. I want, I generally care about my players. Now, that is a separate thing from how I decide the lineup, right? But I yeah, generally absolutely. care. And I think when there's an understanding of that, not only is it easier to understand the lineup situation, but I think it's you put yourself as a player in a better position to be part of the team. Right. And I, I, a phrase that I'm sure you guys have all, uh, many people listening, I'm sure have used it too, is we can agree to disagree. Right. You may come in and talk about, you know, why why am I playing, not playing? Why am I not on the power play? Why, why whatever? Why am I not in the last five minutes of the game? I'm going to explain to you what you need to do to get there. Right. And if we create that level of communication where you know I care about you, you know I'm not just giving you a line. I'm actually giving you something concrete to work on that could potentially put you in that position to where you can get there. And let's see if you can get there. And I, I want you to get there because right. if you can get there. You make somebody else better. 
And if you make that player better, that makes somebody else better. And before you know it, we're all better. All right. Pro tip for everybody listening. I love Pete, what you just said. This is something I'm seeing now with younger people that I don't think I would have dared to do when I was a younger person, right? Coach gives you very direct feedback on what he or she wants you to do to succeed on their team and their lineup. And I have seen too many people just disagree, not agree to disagree, just disagree. There is a real value, a real value. I'm telling parents and players, listen to me. There is a real value in a coach telling you what he or she wants. They're literally giving you the answer, right? And assuming they're honorable people, because I do understand sometimes there's there's yes men and yes women who just say whatever you want to hear. But Pete is a very honorable person. It is a gift when you get a coach that tells you directly what you want. You might not like the way they said it to you. <laughs> you might not like what the message is. But just like the real world, when someone says you want to get from A to Z, here's the path. You just kind of have to nod your head and say thank you. And, and you can, Pete, I know you. You can probably have a conversation with you about this. But you're going to, as you said, you might agree to disagree. That is part of communication as a skill, is understanding this is the way the conversation goes. All of society could benefit from this type of methodology, by the way, right? There's that's too many point, of us. Are, yeah. That, that's a point, too, that it's really important. You make that point with the player. Like I, I say to the player, listen, when we leave this meeting, we may agree to disagree. Right. You have your opinion, I have mine. But this is where I feel you need to be. This is what you need to do to get where you want to go, do with that information as you will, because you have free choice. I can't make you make you do anything, right. but w w it's okay. For, it's okay for you to leave here saying, right. I don't know that. I, I don't know if I really agree with that. And then maybe you think about it more. We can have another conversation and maybe you sway me a little bit or right. like, I'm always happy to talk about it because I feel like, there's situations in life and there's there there should not be problems. Problems to me stem from situations that were not dealt with. Right. And and for those of you listening again, if you haven't heard Pete's episodes, Pete is a incredibly honorable man and a great coach. And I think one of the reasons you have had success, Pete, is because of the way you're, hey, the door's open. Let's talk about it at the right time in the right way. But I'm always here to talk to you. There's too many coaches out there still that I don't think are allowing for those conversations. It's a very my way or the highway attitude and, and don't get me wrong coaches there's a time sometimes okay the conversation's over this is where we're at but you have to have that ability to be open now let's rewind back let's rewind back we're talking about the ncaa high levels of efficient communication is expected that the young athletes will be able to walk in the locker room have a conversation with the coach acknowledge when the coach is speaking to them and there's a little bit of vice versa with that too let's go back now prep school high school level this is where i want to start with a few things one is that from a societal level, we're doing a really bad job right now because we're teaching every kid that there's a left or a right or a yes or a no, uh, or there's only two options or two answers for every situation. And I think that at the high school level, we need to do a better job of helping kids be a little more creative in their thinking, that things are not always, sometimes they are, but they are not always black and white. When it comes to hockey and communicating, I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a black and white situation. I mean, maybe, maybe like, Hey, probably shouldn't shoot the puck in your own net. That's probably a pretty black and white topic, but when it comes to high school level coaching and Mike, I'm going to turn to you. Cause I know you've done a lot of that. I think it's a lot more about teaching kids. Hey, 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 calm down. You're probably very emotional right now. 
Let's discuss this. Let's talk about it. Tell me what you're feeling. Let's express what you're feeling and understand that there's not a right or wrong here. There's a situation that we need to discover together. Again, NCAA, NCAA level should know how to do that. Mike, high school level, how do you deal with uh, pubescent teens ready to ready to play and ready to ready to let you know what they think? I don't know. Let's <laughs> try to figure it. I don't think so anybody knows, Mike. Let's try to figure it out. So I think I think it's uh, you know to Pete's point, it's all about coming into it with the plan ahead of time. Also, right? right? This, these are not the, these are not issues or concerns or philosophies that you can go in and say, you know what, today I'm going to do this. Like, these are all, you know, what is your culture? What are the norms that you've established? What are the communication lines that you've laid out? And then knowing that you're working with high schoolers and teenagers, that it's a different brain that functions differently, that, you know, there's, there's the, there's the balance of is mom and dad, the primary communicators here, or, or, or like, like we all hear it, right? Oh, if a player has a problem, I want them to come to me. Well, not all players are equipped to do that by themselves, right? right. So maybe the process is I want them to initiate it with mom or dad helping that. And then we're going to work together on solving the problem. It's not going to be like, I'm expecting your son to come into my locker room as an adult in my office and voice his concerns and advocate for himself. Now, that being said, that takes the I think the coaching staff laying how you'd like that communication to look. Like, of course, we want mom and dad in here. Of course, we want them helping you to learn how to communicate. If they're not going to be in the room, like you have some parents like, no, no, my kid will take care of it himself. Okay, then you need to coach your son or daughter right. how to come into the room and what the expectation should be. And not to come into the room thinking, well, I'm going to come out with the answer I want. To Pete's point, they've got to come in with the understanding that they are probably, they most likely are going to come out with an understanding of what we're telling them uh, that's going to be skewed by the time they get home, right? The right. game of telephone, right? Well, that, coach said well, this. How'd it go with coach? Oh, yeah. coach, you know, he, he didn't tell me anything. Well, I didn't tell you nothing. I gave you specific <laughs> instructions. Yeah. About he didn't what, give me the answer I wanted. That's, and that's then, what you know, and, and the best is like at the high school level. Well, why isn't my son playing? Well, has your son told you he has uh, been late for practice every day this week? Has he, has he told you that? Oh, no, we didn't hear that. Well, of course you didn't hear that. I know that. So it's just like, it's just a matter of, you know, depending on your situation and where you're at. And if you're coaching a midget team, you know, a, a travel team at that level, high school kids, it's all, I, I think it's all about the parent and the coach and the player in that trilogy of working together um, to help that, that, that teenage mind work. Right. And it's really important that the parents take the emotional and the coaches can both come in and take the emotional piece out. Which uh, is hard to do, Mike. It, it, it's extremely know. hard to do because yeah. you're, you're, you only care when I mean, you're a parent, you only care about your kid. Yeah. You just, don't care about the other kids. And like, that's why I not always, as much. That's what, that's what I'll say. Not, not anywhere near as much. Right. <laughs> right. The focus is always on <clears throat> the focus is always on like, well, you know, so-and-so does that. I go, I, I can't worry about so-and-so. I'm worried about your son right. and your daughter. Those are the only people I want to have a discussion about. And it's tough yeah. when they compare, you know, and, and, and then, you know, and then, well, don't you think that he can do this? And then coaches do that too, right? Oh, if you would have done this like this person, I'm like, I try to, I try to stay away from that. It's hard. But you do want points of reference, right? You want, you want like, well, listen, like this person's being on the power play, but do you know that this person does on their own time? 
You know what this person does prior to practice? You know what this person does after practice? Like a, a real life like thing I'm dealing with right now are players trying to learn different aspects of the game of hockey, like mm -hmm. hockey IQ stuff. And we use huddle and we have unlimited amounts of video that's, that's, that's available to players. And when I see a player that's not understanding a concept that has been presented to them multiple times, and this is where technology is a good thing. I think right, right. where the player can see every shift that they've ever had. They can see every circumstances they were in. And then when I look and I look at the data and I see that that player's never even logged in to look at that video, then that's a very frustrating thing for me. Like on one hand, I don't want them on the technology all the time, but the other, the other side is the technology we are offering them. You've got to use. Well, and, and Mike, I want to say this too, I, I, just on the thought, I, I think that's actually an opportunity for communication. What you just said, right? Cause <clears throat> excuse me, a big part of communication is accountability, right? So to have a player come in the room and say, Hey, listen, I've noticed you have never logged in the huddle and you're, you're telling me this or X, Y, Z, or we're complaining about this or whatever that conversation is, right. you're not putting the work in. And then, and then you can open up to a, a larger conversation. If you don't want to put the work in at the high school level, well, there's an outcome for that. And you got to be okay with that outcome if you're not willing to put the time in. And again, this is not a time to compare a kid to another kid, right? It's a, it's a time to teach them about accountability. L listen, uh, my gut tells me that if you put in three, four hours a week on this, it's going to really improve your game. Now, are you willing to do that? That's really effective communication as a coach to a young man or woman about being accountable, right? And, and Pete, I'm going to throw it to you now, too, because I imagine, you know, we're talking kind of that, that U16, U18 level right now that, you know, and you can comment on both as a coach, but as an NCAA coach, you know, you're looking for these things when you're recruiting, right? The ability to be able to clearly communicate. And I'm sure that when you communicate with, U16, U18 prep school coaches, high school coaches. That's one of the questions you ask, right? Well, how, how are they as a communicator? Yeah, when I would kind of hone in on players that I, that I, I liked, um, either at the when I was coaching prep school or at college, one of the things I liked to do was when I could, I would like to go to a practice. And one of the things that I look for at the practice is when the coach called everybody in, mm. Was the player that I'm interested in engaged and looking at the board? Were they pushed to the, did they push to the front of the line so they could see themselves a little better when they took their knee or were they, you know, fumbling with their laces? Did they tell their teammates but, to get in that weren't getting in? That's another one, right? Leadership. But so I, I would, I would look for that. The other thing that I found was, was really fascinating. And, you know, Mike, you've got, and Lee, I think your kids are a little bit young yet, but Mike, yours, have gone through that stage, I think, where when I would speak at prep schools, we normally would uh, go to a, a camp or something like that, or maybe a little showcase, and we would talk to peewee age players. They would sit there with the kids and their parents, and then we'd go to Bantam age kids and their parents. And the peewee kids, age kids, would just, hands would be up all the time asking questions. You know, it, no question was too ridiculous. Do they allow you to have carpets in your room at prep school? I still remember that one in my head. Yes, you yes, you can. That's then funny. you go to the then you go, yeah. Then you go to the 14-year-olds, and every one of them is sitting like this. Right. Because <laughs> something happens where it matters more that the player next to you, behind you, in front of you thinks about what you're going to say 
than you actually being comfortable to to say it. And I like that from the standpoint of when the hands didn't go up, that's the first thing I would say. I would say, why, you know, I see here, I see, I see a room of really good hockey players that lack confidence. Mm. And they'd be like, I don't like confidence. You know, I handle that puck. I do whatever. No, you, you can't sit in this situation and honestly ask a question because you're afraid what the kid next to you thinks. And everyone will give that like that little smirk or just like your kid does when you, when you kind of get them, maybe like, yeah. Yeah, well, you get, they got me. So that, that part's really interesting. Uh, and again, back to what Mike was talking about the parents and helping cultivate that. Like, again, like you have to be willing to cultivate that with your kids to have those kinds of conversations with the coaches. And right. like it's been said, you may not get the answer you want. And that's okay because that's real life. You may not, you know, support your position, find a way to communicate. And if you can actually do that, everything in life is going to get a little bit better for you. And at the end of the day, I'm going to help make you, I think, a better player because I've made helped in some small way, made you a stronger individual. The other piece too is that the, that the, because of the language you use and the verbiage we use, that it really just solidifies. You might be talking about the same thing. You might come out of the room going, "Oh my god, that's so much different perspective than I thought." Because this coach is right. telling me, like, like little things like for kids, like they, I got, how are you not on the strong side of that puck? Like, why did you let the weak side winger go? I didn't let the weak side winger go. I was right on him. Do you know what the weak side winger even is? No, I don't know what you were talking about. <laughs> so it's just, it's just you know, and then the apparent. Like a, like a parent might have a different, uh, uh, you know, understanding and definition of what that is. So sometimes having those conversations in the room in, in a, in a, in, because of a negative situation becomes just a, cl- a, 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 a moment of clarity for everyone. Right. That we've got to remember that when we're speaking to children and speaking to non or established hockey parents that, you know, our, our verbiage and our communication pieces need to be aligned so that we're we're all speaking the same language as we as we discuss what the players' deficiencies or or expectations are. So I'll say this too, guys. It's interesting that the points you're bringing up, kind of going again now down to the U14, U12 level. Pete, you made that really great point about that kind of that that let's just say the 14, 15 age, uh, where where kids are worried about what other people think. So a couple tips for the parents out there, or those of you listening, the kids that are listening that are that age. I'm going to tell you something as a coach. I, I, I just worked with a high-level Tier 1 uh, team this weekend, this past weekend, that was that age. And two things. The kids that were not afraid to ask questions clearly stood out to me as the coach. I can actually see their faces in my head. So number one is if you're willing to ask a great question, you're not worried about what the person sitting next to you is, you want to stand out a little bit to recruitment or coaches, your own coach. Ask great questions, you'll get great responses. So that's number one. Now, that's not for everybody. The other half of this is this. I know as a coach uh, what Pete's talking about and that, yeah, when I walked in that room, Pete was just like you described, arms crossed, kind of looking left and right. So it's on me as the coach to create an environment for them to feel comfortable sharing and communicating. So typically, the first thing I do is I get them up and do an exercise where they actually can't speak, right? Hey, line up from shortest to tallest without talking. Right. And what that does is it starts to break that glass a little bit of, okay, we're doing something together. I actually take away their ability to speak. And then what that does is force them to, okay, we have to communicate here or do something. And like most teams, like like most groups of young people, 
when you do an icebreaker, they, they come out of their shell a little bit. Oh, this is gonna be fun. We're going to be able to talk. So I'm coaches to kind of create that environment, right? If you're just talking to them and they're not really listening to you, let kind of on you a little bit, a little bit, not completely to kind of find methods to get them to listen. It's not always going to be perfect and they're not always going to listen and that's okay. But I wanted to make that point of that. If you're a young player, and, and again, when I say ask a great question, I'm not just saying talk to talk. All right. I'm saying when a coach asks a question, be the kid who's going to answer the question or at least give, give a good answer. Right. You will stand out. All right. From a, from a, an environment standpoint that we're talking about. And, and again, when we're talking, I'll just make this now. We're going to kind of going to that U14, U12. The, the key words of the key phrase here, guys, that, that I think is the teaching point. And again, just to review, NCAA, we're expecting high levels of communication. At high school level, you're refining that. You, you might be in a situation where you're with your parents, but you're starting to understand, hey, I got to go in the room. We have to have an effective communication. I have to report those results. When you get down to that U14, U12, U12 level, this is my phrase. And this is what we need to teach them as coaches and parents. Social etiquette. I wish there was a, a course in school called social etiquette. Because think about it, when you're at that age, you might say anything that comes to your mind and you might not understand, hey, you probably shouldn't say whatever comes to your mind, right? So I think it's important to talk to players when they say something or do something or text something inappropriate and say, listen, this is inappropriate. This is the key. Here's why it's inappropriate. You got to teach them that. Can't just say it's inappropriate. Here's either a better way of doing it or here's why that's going to hurt the team or hurt yourself in the future. Right. When you're 14 years old, again, they'll say anything. I'm not going to act like I have the solution to 12 to 14 year old boys or girls and understanding anything about how to do anything at that age. But I do know social etiquette should be part of your approach. Pete, I will toss it to you. Yeah. One of the things, too, that I'm, I started doing this year that I'm, I'm really kind of excited about is I started working with a local youth organization. Uh, with their coaches as a kind of a mentoring thing. That's awesome. And uh, it, it's been, yeah, it's been pretty fun because I've kind of changed the the way it's been done in the past. They first off, they had the term hockey director, and I said, I don't want that. I I don't like right. the way it sounds. <laughs> yes, I'm telling. It's too hard. It's too harsh. It's like I'm telling you what to do. I said, I'm not going to go to your practices and pull you over and say, What are you doing? I'm not going to go to your games. And say you should be doing this, you shouldn't be doing that. That's not, I'm, I'm here to mentor. I'm here to help you and support you. So, one thing we did that they never did before, which was crazy to me, was we have we have monthly coaching meetings, and they, for whatever reason, they never they never did that. And we'd sit and the best I'd have a topic for sure, so we can get the thing going. But always we would go around the room and everyone talks about where they're at in their season, right. how things are going in that. So then they begin, to, and I love it because I don't want to sit there and talk for an hour. I want engagement. So sitting back and then all of a sudden having the squirt coach conversing with the Bantam coach who is now sharing his thoughts with the peewee coach and Mike coach is great. So I'm really, I'm really loving that and enjoying that. And then I will make the point of what's happening here amongst you as adults, even though it's not something you're purposely thinking about is you are communicating. You are getting your points across in, in some ways an unfamiliar area because the Mike coach may not know the Bantam coach and that, that kind of thing. So what you're doing here, let's see if we can take that as coaches to our teams 
as a method of communication. And you, everyone here feels better, right? Right now, because you feel like you're part of something because you're engaged and you're speaking. Well, why not try to teach that to your team as well? I love it. And, and I'll say this too. One of the things I see in organizations that honestly, it boggles my mind. And, and Mike, I'm going to throw to you for this too. I mean, this, this really bugs me is when I get to an organization and the Mike coaches don't talk to the squirt coaches and the squirt coaches don't talk to the peewee coaches and the peewee don't talk to the Bantam and so forth and so on. I don't understand how we're effectively developing players if we're not all having conversations with each other levels above and below about what we're looking for, what we what we want to teach these kids, what is the plan. I mean, you look at any effective professional hockey team, their NHL team and their AHL team are never together, but incredibly in sync. Uh, if they're doing it right, right? They, they need to be prepared to move up. As a development, I'm sorry, from a development standpoint, I remember um, when my son was a mite, calling the squirt coach just to say, what are you looking for uh, from a coaching standpoint for all the kids at my my son's level? What can I do on the ice to help them get better prepared for you? He was shocked that I called. All right. Now, I want to say this. You're going from Mike to, to squirt. I mean, think about the changes. Offsides, all of the penalties, all of the rules, three periods. I mean, it's a different game, literally. So I want to know what the next level coaches are looking for so I can prepare my team. Right. And again, you could use this from any level, squirt to peewee, hitting comes into it from a practice standpoint. Peewee to Bantam, hitting's coming into the game. Bantam to midget, you're probably looking beyond. We have to communicate more. Mike, in the organizations you've worked with, is that A, something you've seen? And if you have, is it effective? Yeah, I mean, well, it's certainly effective if if there if there is open lines of communication and there's a vehicle for different levels to associate with each other. I mean, I always come at it from a youth hockey perspective that not only is it important for development right. it's really important for retention because you know you, you don't you know you want to it seems like at the youth hockey level like every year they're reinventing the organization because you know very rarely do you have coaches that stay like you don't usually have like okay 10 u coaches are there they're the 10 u coach it's usually a parent that came from eight u or you know maybe they're there for a year and then they go to 12 u or you know so having the ability to have you know, these coaching meetings, and I think it is, and I'm sure Pete, you're seeing this too with your organization. It's, it is difficult. It's, it's hard to ask a, a bunch of volunteer adults to yet again, have another night to come to the rink and meet together. So you got to be creative in doing this. Like what we've done in the past is made sure that when we have coaching meeting nights, that all those, those sessions are covered by like a skills coach or like there's somebody outside the organization point, running that night. Uh, so that the coaches can then, because most, 90% of our coaches are parents, right? So you have to find a way to say, listen, you're not obligated on Thursday night to come up with any kind of planning or anything. You don't even need to be on the ice. You're going to be in this other room mm. and we're going to work together awesome. on site or off site. And then in this, and this other piece is going to get taken care of. Now it, it, it's amazing to me how you'll like, people will fight that. Oh no, no, I need that practice. I mean, do you really need that practice? Like the kids are skating. They're, they're stick handling, they're shooting, and we've hired a professional to come in or right. or, or the local. They need that practice. The kids right. need that practice, right. Right, so you got to be creative in doing it because I, I am not a big believer in asking somebody to keep coming back to the rink. For, for and, 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 and Pete's point was perfect. Like, you have to have a subject. You have to have a, a, a plan. And right. You can't just wing it, like, because then you'll never get people coming back. Like, if you don't have, if you don't have a focused agenda of what you're doing, like I'm, like, I'm a guy, like, don't send me to a meeting if you could have sent me an email about it. 
Like I'm not going to have go on a Zoom call if you could have just emailed me what this was. And I think and, and I think it's the same way for our, our you know we talk about you know communication with kids. It's the same thing. Like if you're going to have video sessions or team meetings or come have an agenda, have a plan, and then open the communication lines up by having the ability to have it back and forth with those players. It can't just be a one-way PowerPoint presentation because you won't get them coming back. They will not be engaged. And, um, you know, so for me, my biggest thing with the youth organizations is, you know, find, you can either do it by, by age categories, like all the 10 U coaches, all the eight U coaches, all the 12 U coaches, or if your organization is coordinated enough to have a broader conversation about player development and player retention and the pathway in your, or what is, the organization's way, right? Then you want to have people, and, and and honestly, it does it does retain more players, and, it, and it certainly think about the work we put into getting good coaches. It retains coaches, make their job easier, communicate more with them, find out what their issues are, find out how you can help them, and in turn, you're going to have good, good coaches stay, and when good coaches stay, players stay, and when families and players are staying, your life becomes much easier. But again, it's more. Whatever communication uh, you're going to do with your kids, you want and your coaches, just has to be, you know, really focused and concise and meaningful. You know, don't just do it to do it. Like I see coaches all the time have video sessions that go on and on and on yeah. and on. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm just going to watch the game. I'm like, you yeah. got to. And then this happened. And then effort. this happened. And this happened. Yeah. And this. No, you should come in with just, a plan. Just have a focused. Yeah. You know, and and, and we and, and going back to technology use. Like we have all these tools available to us to send kids clips, uh, you know, prior to them even coming into a meeting. Say, hey, these are the five clips we're going to talk about today. I want you to watch them, and then you're gonna, and then I'm going to ask you questions about them. I'm not going to tell you what I want you to do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm asking you to tell me what you should have done. Right. And one of the things that I really enjoy, like with this kind of a forum and this kind of a conversation, is something that has always struck me in recent years was so in the past, if we were doing this kind of exchange. We might be talking about, and, and certainly it's important, the, the technical aspect about using your edges, um, your hand position, those kinds of things. Tactically, this is the forecheck you want to use. This is the rotation you use on a power play in that. And the communication, the again, the even the mental health piece, right, which kind of rolls into this a, a bit, is something that was just never really talked about until recent years. Agreed. Now, it is the number one thing that every successful team has going for them if they are dealing with this in a positive way and creating the culture, the relationships, the communication. It is as important as our ability to forecheck well, our ability to skate well. Because without this extra piece, third piece, not even extra piece, third piece, I'll call it, of the trilogy there, you're not going to have success. You could, you could still be good, but you're not going to have success. And the other things too, and, and I'm sure you guys feel the same way as coaches. Like I, I want to enjoy coaching. Mm. I want to, I want to be as excited to come to the rink every day as I hope my players are excited to come to the rink every day. So being part of this, as opposed to this, you know, wizard of Oz guy behind the screen, pay no attention to the man behind the screen kind of thing. He's just dictating what's going on. It's gotten so much more enjoyable the last 10, 15 years for me anyway, as, as a coach to be able to do this and, and find with the relationships 
those things, we've always gotten better because we had relationships. It right. wasn't just we had a bunch of guys that could play. And 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 Pete, you're right. That that is a newer development, uh, and not just in hockey, right? This is actually a societal development. We're seeing this in the workplace too, that uh, the ability for everyone to have a, a, a unique understanding that, hey, we all really do care about each other. We all really are trying to do the right thing, and, and we all have issues, and we're all people, and we're not perfect. That's more of a modern thing. Um, and I think it's an important thing. You know, I, I wrote some notes down here about as we continually move down the age group. I, I'm, I'm going to open this up now that we're doing uh, U10 and U, U8 and, and U6. Um, but, you know, one of the keys here for me from a communication standpoint is to remind yourself as an adult that you can't expect the kids to be adults yet. It's on us to help them get to that point. Right. And I always use the metaphor of, of lava, like a young kid. This is really all the way up to 18 now. I mean, it, it is a volcanic eruption. It is lava. It is not solid ground. If you try and step on it, you're going to sink in and get burnt. So you have to have some patience. You have to let it cool. You got to let it turn. But you can you can motivate it to go a certain direction, right? You can harness that lava to where you need it to be. So when you get down to the U10 and the U8 level, what's always funny to me, Pete, about what you just said is, again, and we're starting to learn this is not true. Oh, you can't You can't do that stuff with them. You can't do the mental stuff with them. They are better at it than most of the older kids. All right. And here's the key. Again, U10, U8. A lot of his basic communication uh, uh, methodology, right? I'll start with the, the mites. Hey, I'm speaking. I need you to look at me when I'm speaking. I can tell you right now, you're on a, if you're on a mite bench and you're talking to the kids, they're looking at the ice, they're looking at everything but you, because that's what kids do at that age. It, they, they're trained not to look at the adult. So I will sit there and very calmly, Eyes on me, coach is speaking. I've even told the mites, this is not Adams. You have a coach now, you have a staff, and you need to give us respect, and we give you the respect of listening when you have questions. But down to that level, I am speaking, eyes on me. And then also, and this is a mistake I see a lot at the younger ages, um, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. And you could apply this to squirt a bit too, but it's what much more might, is over-communicating. I want you to do this and this and this and this. and this. An eight-year-old can handle about two things per game all right and usually those two things by the way are hey let's keep your feet moving and when the puck's on your stick let's skate with it a little bit let's not just whack it away right and you got to be patient it's going to take them half a season most likely to get some of these things down you move up to the squirt level do this do this do this do this no <laughs> you're developing an early hockey player let's figure out on sides first let's understand what it is to break out let's understand all of the positions defense forward goaltender you should still be doing that at the squirt level so you're you're a teacher at every age you coach don't get me wrong but i have spoken to elementary school teachers to get advice of how do you teach these kids at this age how do you get them to, to listen and communicate right and again there's a tremendous amount of patience we have all had the kid who who tells us the 27 minute story that just keeps going and going and going and you have to know how to you know okay let's 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 hone it in. It's it's not easy, right? You don't always have time for it. Um, and then the other side of it, guys, is the behavior you exude as an adult to that child. I said this early in the episode. Are you on your phone while they're talking to you? Are you not looking them in the eye when they're talking to you? Are you not coming down to their level and meeting them where they're at when they're speaking to you? So this is a two-way street of, 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 of teaching communication. And again, it's not just hockey. When we're 
And again, I'm not, I'm, I'm sure all of you have a story about this. When we are in a restaurant and we are ordering food, my children will look the hostess or the host in the eye when they order their food. We will tell them, put down the tablet, put down whatever you're doing, look them in the eye and order your food. And they, and they do it. They, it's not hard. They do it, right? So baseline communication. Look at someone when you're speaking to them. Give them the respect of putting down the device that you're on if you're on one. Just do your best. And if, if, you're, if it's not great, that's okay. We'll try it again. You can see how that's going to translate to the older levels and how the older levels translate to the above levels. But let's just talk about squirt P. I'm sorry, squirt and might and atoms. Um, and, and maybe a little bit too about the uh the expectation of that level because it is hurting cats sometimes, right? And but when you Pete, to your point, when you walk into the locker room knowing that you're gonna be hurting cats, it's much more enjoyable than when you walk in and be like, Why won't you kids listen to me? Why won't you seven-year-old kids listen to me? I'm a cut. It's not, it's not some nights that's not going to happen. <laughs> no, for sure. And one of the things I used to do, and I, you know, as we're, as we're talking here comes back to mind, I think back to, this was 30 years ago, but, but 30 years ago, when I was coaching a squirt team and I had two rules when you, hit, when you hit something that I call double numbers. So as soon as you became 10 years old, there were two things that you did. One of them was you tied your own skates. Oh, I love that. Now, Parents love that. <laughs> if you struggle with it, we'll always help you. Right. But the goal by the end of the season is every one of you ties their own skates. And yes, you're right. The parents love that. Love the that. other one, the other one was, and this was a communication thing, even back then. Um, I was thinking about it because that was back when we had something called a landline, which is pretty much gone a thing of the past. If someone yeah. has it, it's probably covered with dust. I mean, you brought up payphones before, man. You're dating yourself today, but that's all right. I'm that's okay. <laughs> Yeah. Listen, listen, if you knew what it took to get here to lose all this hair and, and such, don't you worry. I'm, <laughs> I'm happy with it. Um, I If you weren't going to come to practice or you weren't going to be able to make a game, you called me. Now, mom and dad could help you dial. Right. But you were the one that was talking to me on the phone. And my wife thought it was the funniest thing in the world because the phone would ring and she'd pick it up and she'd say, uh, I think it's somebody from Disney because the kids all had those little high piece <laughs> squeaky right. voices but the kids would always call me and they were the ones that said coach i can't come to practice what's going on and it and it was i think it was really good for some of them because you would get things like yeah i i didn't do my homework or i got in trouble at school today or my little sister is sick and mom has to stay home with her and we only have the one car whatever mm -hmm. it may be but I, I always felt good that hopefully somewhere that carried through uh, as a communication skill that they were advocating for themselves. It's not, I don't think that's too early to do that. And I think it's, it's safe. The parents know what's happening and they're part of it. So well, Pete, let, let me ask you this too. My guess is the first time they had to do that might've been really hard for them and really scary. And maybe the parent had to really push them to do it. But once they do it once, maybe twice, it's not hard. Like, cause you've done it. You've gotten over the hump. You got over the fear. And I think what's happening now from a society standpoint is we're waiting later and later and later to teach our kids that. Or, or again, I, I don't have a problem with texting, but we rely on that to the point we're not having people talk anymore, right? But my, am, am I right? Like the one or two times after they do that, it wasn't hard for them to do that anymore. No, and I would have parents tell me, you know what? I was going to call you, but uh, he or she wouldn't let me. That's they awesome. They got to do it. Yeah. And so you hear that and you're like, this is great. This is, right. this is awesome. But uh, but again, like you, you say, it's become it's become too easy to to not do that. 
that's part right. of it. And that's the hard part is just because it's available, is it the best thing in every situation? Sometimes yes, right. but also sometimes no. And that's the hard part I think about, I think that's probably the hardest part about parenting. Like I look at my own uh, kids, you know, with their children and it was, I, I honestly think it was easier for me to parent than it is for them today. It might be. And I'll tell you, it's funny. You mentioned this. I had a player, a uh, squirt player FaceTime me the other day to tell me something, which I thought was really amazing that, that, that he thought to do that. Um, the other point you're making that is really good about texting. Um, and there's a, there's a time and a place we talked about social etiquette, right? So, and Mike, you're going to love this one. If you're going to miss a game, I better not get a text of, Hey coach can't make it tonight. All right. That will, that would enrage me right now. Look, I might accept something, Coach, here's what happened. I'm going to have a really hard time making the game tonight in text, but preferably give me a call. I mean, I, I think that deserves a call of I'm not going to make my my commitment tonight. I'd like to explain to you why, right? Mike is smiling. If you listen to this, Mike has got a look on his face that is priceless right now. Yeah. He's shaking his head. He looks like he could be a, me a meme right now or a gif. Mike, your thoughts. Well, well, it's evolved to, hey, I'm not going to be here for this and this, but I'll make it for this and this. I'm like, <laughs> what the hell is that? Yeah. When did that happen? It was like, what happened yeah. where you're telling me when you're coming and not coming? I, I don't know when that transition happened, but, you know, just as far as the communication piece, it's really just, I mean, I think at any age, because Pete, right, we see this at the college level, like you can't have a 10-point bullet on the wall. Like these are the 10 things we're going to focus on today. It's always three, you know, two, three things, like, Focus on this, this, and this. And if you're going to a, a 10U game and you say, you know, and, and one of the three things is we love you and have fun today. Like that's a, that's a, that's a bonus. If you're a coach that goes in and gives a, a 25 minute pregame talk on how you're going to play the game, it, it is, there's zero chance that any kid in that locker room has taken any of that information in. Right. They're just not, they're just not. And that's, that's what if you, they're listening in the first place. Yeah, that's when you really lose them. I mean, that's what, that's whether they have a phone or not. Like you know, they don't need a phone to be droned out. I think it's just a matter of just saying, listen, you just come in, just don't remember, you know, remember this, this, and this. The the, the earlier, you know, the younger the ages, the the, the 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 more broad those things are. You know, work hard, win battles, have fun. You know, and then at at, at the college level, it's you know, it's going to be like, hey, maintain our system. You know, stay out of the box, right? And you know, get pucks on net. You know, whatever, just the little little things that you you could listen to any pregame talk in any NHL locker room. They're all the same. They're all points of emphasis that are that are that are pinpointed to maybe the focus of that game. There's nobody going in going, okay, here's what we're gonna do uh, between the first and second period, or you know, at the at the end of the period, we're gonna focus on our left wing lock and making sure the guys are coming through the end zone and then curling up and pulling up and make sure that the high guys in the one three one and this guy. All that kind of stuff is that's what practice is for. Well, that's what Mike, for. Let, let me make this point too. And and Pete, I know you want to say something also. Look, I've always said this. There's a difference between armchair uh, coaches and real coaches, right? An armchair coach will come in and say, here's everything that I see and is wrong with this team. I could fix this team in an instant because these 10 things are so obvious. That's the easy part of coaching. Yeah, we all see it. We all can walk in and see a team and say, okay, if they fix these 10 things, right? They're going to be a great team. It's like, yeah, no, no crap, right? The coaching, the art of coaching is to look at those 10 things, break them down, look at them from a season, and then understand from a prioritization point, 
This is how we have to craft our practices and our games to slowly go towards accomplishing as much of this list, because you might not get all of it, as possible throughout the season. That's a huge part of coaching. So for, for all the for all the NHL fans out there that are watching hockey and know how to fix the team, you probably aren't wrong, to be fair. Right. But that's that's just not enough. Right. That's just not enough. It, it's so much deeper than that. And at all the age groups we're talking, creating the environment and then being realistic. Again, the expectation at the NCAA level is not the same at a might level. At a might level, I just want them smiling and skating. Right. And understanding that this is fun. Right. I actually you guys will laugh at this, but we had a game last night and and wasn't really growing, going great. And uh, I realized halfway through the second period, we were giving them two pretty easy actionable items, but they weren't really there. So I just started talking in a Mickey Mouse voice and it was amazing. They perked up immediately. Like, like that was a voice of authority. Right. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to do it now, but I do a pretty good Mickey Mouse impression. All right. And you know what I did guys, I basically met them where they were at and we had fun the rest of the game. And I was saying things that they knew and it worked. You, you got to, I'm not suggesting that all of you go out there and find a great Mickey Mouse impression. My point is you got to find methods yeah. to get through to these people to coach them, just going on the ice into a might team. You know, guys, if we could fix the breakout, we'd be great. No shit. Like that's every team that ever existed, right? I, you can't expect a might team to do that right away. All right. They got to be able to move. Anyway, I'm going to yeah. start ranting. Pete? Yeah. And, fi- and finding a way to communicate with that. It's funny. You, you mentioned that. You kind of reminded me of something when I coached prep school. I had, uh, I remember the first time I brought my iPad onto the bench. Right. So the iPad had the, the had the app, right? That was a, a rink and you could draw and move things around with your fingers. Right? Right. Right. Uh, when you when you had a coach's board, guys would sort of turn and look. Right. <laughs> and half of them would sort of turn and look away. But when you had an iPad yeah. and you could draw with your finger, wow. It was like you were telling them that night's lottery ticket winner right. because everyone was engaged because technology was what they were focusing in on. So finding finding a way, like you just said, to reach your players. That's all you did with that. You found a way to reach your players. <laughs> so that reminded me of that. And, right. and then the other thing too, with the whole thing about uh, communication and point you brought up about conversation. Right. Still strikes me at the at the college level, which means along at the lower levels, again, something parents, if you're listening, work on this piece because so I'd see, maybe I'd see a player at team dinner. They'd look a little off to me for some reason. Maybe they're a little quiet, just didn't see themselves. So I say to, I talked to another player who I knew was close to them, say, hey, uh, what's going on with uh, with so-and-so today? They, they they seemed a little down. Yeah, I talked to them and, you know, it was this, this and this. And I said, so you talked to them, right? Well, I texted them. Yeah, I texted them. Mm. You You didn't have a conversation with them. So there was no emotion here. So if I'm sitting with you and I'm having a conversation and I'm making eye contact with you and I'm really listening to you, that goes a lot farther than the fact that you send them a text. Oh man, that's, that stinks. I'm sorry to hear that. Or, or you okay? Question mark. Yes. You okay. And then you get a thumbs up back. <laughs> like there's nothing there. So, but so curious that at, that age still where they're young men, they think that that is actual communication. It is a form of communication, right. but is it again, the most effective communication 
probably not face-to-face -face verbal is still going to be, I don't care what technology they come up with, is still going to be the best form of communication because there, there is emotion and actual human connection. Contact. Yeah, we just echoed each other there, right? It, 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 again, that's a big part of communication. There is a difference between hearing and listening, right? There, there's a difference between speaking and waiting for your turn to speak, right? To, to truly give someone real attention and have them know, and this is every age group, that, hey, I'm listening, I hear you, and I want to know what you think, and I want you to listen to me. That is something that uh, is deteriorating slowly, but I think we can get back. All right. And I think it starts with all of us um, from the young ages all the way through. I think it also takes some patience and um, understanding. You, you got to remove some of the ego from the situation. You know, again, using mites as an example, I expect them not to look at me. And I don't think that the words coming out of my mouth are gold. All right. I expect that I'm going to have to tell them for weeks or months. I need you to look at me when I speak. Here's the message. I know you're probably going to do it or not going to do it. And I'm okay with that. And I think when you get to the uh, the higher levels, I think there is a clear expectation that you will listen to what the coaches say and you will understand what the coaches say. Right. But even as coaches at high levels, there's got to be a level of patience with the ability for, for players to learn. Now, again, I think when you get just rounding this whole thing out, when you get to the professional level, there's an expectation you're going to learn quickly. And if you don't, you're going to get sent down. Right. But there's ways to communicate at that level as well. And I think that uh, the best teams right now, the teams that are winning the Stanley Cup, especially the last few years, and let's end it on this one, guys. There is such a clear family atmosphere. Communication is at the highest levels possible. Right. These teams don't sacrifice that. They take it very, very seriously. Right. And I think that if you want to succeed really in anything, I'm not just talking hockey. You have to understand how to have high levels of trust and great, great communication. Mike, I say it all the time. 10 out of 10 problems have poor or bad communication on some level. I have never seen a problem arise where communication did not play a role in the problem existing, right? Whether it's too much or lack of or just poor ways of communicating. Yeah, no, so, it's, it's, the, it's the keys to all of us. Like it's just to, having that information out there and you know, using shared calendars and, and making sure that people, you know, using these apps to our advantage of, of making sure that, you know, there's not missteps and in, in, in miscommunication and in, in timing and scheduling and expectations. All this stuff could be done uh, very generically. And, and there's no, there's not a lot of reasons for coaches not to take advantage of this stuff. So Pete, I'm going to give you the final word before I close this episode out, but I, I really have enjoyed this episode. And I think that it's important to understand too, that, you know, we always say it takes a village, right? It takes a village to raise a young person. I think this episode is just another great example. We're using communication as the guide, but it takes a village. We, we all play a role in this, coaches, parents, the kids themselves, into developing young people into more effective communicators and in turn, adults into better communicators as well. Yeah, and I think to what you said, you mentioned the word ego. And to me, the most successful coaches I've ever known are the coaches that don't have i mean we all have an ego for sure mm -hmm. but Absolutely. don't make that ever an issue right and that's just, and if you can do that as a coach as you're talking to a player and that player you can both check your egos at the door and have an honest communication and just respect each other's opinion again agreeing to disagree if that's the way it goes you will be successful as a coach 
more successful as a coach because to me, ego is simply a defense mechanism used by an individual um, so that they do not have to deal with a confrontation. Well, I That's love the way you put that. You just you just given birth to another episode topic that we'll have you back for. This is this is why we like having you on because there's always another topic after the the topic that we discussed. But Pete, that's a great way to end this on, guys. Again, wonderful discussion. Uh, for those of you listening, hope you took as much value out of that as we did because that was another great episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. And guess what? All of the episodes, as you know, available wherever you can listen to podcasts or ourkidsplayhockey.com. And uh, if you are enjoying these, we always ask you, share these episodes with your other families, with your friends, with your kids, with your coaches. Uh, help us build that community that really every day is growing. I mean, we're amazed at the growth of the Our Kids Play Hockey community, both uh, listenership, watching, and also our Facebook page, Our Kids Play Hockey, uh, which we always ask you all to join. So for Pete Whitney, for uh, Mike Benelli, I'm Lee Elias. Thanks for listening to this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. We'll see you next week. Have a wonderful, everybody. Have a wonderful one, everybody. There it is. Skate on. Good, but guys. Sorry, I, I just saw the time and I'm like, oh, we gotta. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. Make sure to like and subscribe right now if you found value wherever you're listening, whether it's a podcast network, a social media network, or our website, ourkidsplayhockey.com. Also, make sure to check out our children's book, When Hockey Stops, at whenhockeystops.com. It's a book that helps children deal with adversity in the game and in life. We're very proud of it. But thanks so much for listening to this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey, and we'll see you on the next episode.